All right. I don't want to hear it, guys. Okay. I'm still going through it with the Jay Weinberg fucking getting either leaving or getting kicked out of Slipknot. Nobody knows the actual truth, and those guys aren't going to say for at least a while. Now, what I don't want to hear is, Edgen, you've already seen Slipknot X amount of times. Listen to what I'm about to say. I'm going to keep seeing Slipknot because one day I'm going to wake up and they're going to say Corey Taylor's no longer in the bed. Okay. And I can't deal with that right now. So I'm going to keep going and go see Slipknot. For as long as they come here, because I need to see Corey Taylor play with Slipknot for as much as I can. So leave me alone. That's all I got for you. Make sure you follow me. Punch the mouth official on Instagram. Official underscore PITM on Twitter. Peace, guys. Later. Enjoy the fights. everybody i hope everybody's well it's here it's finally here ufc 295 prohaska versus Pereira. my only question becomes um are you guys more excited now that it, it is what it is or was it more exciting when it was john jones that's always been my question to everybody because to me what it is is like I always saw the John Jones fight as his retirement fight because, again, it's no secret. When he came back to fight Cyril, he told John Morgan, I see myself fighting Cyril and Stipe and then retiring. He's like, I'm promising my fans two fights this year. Of course, it's before he tore his pack, right? And there's no fault of John. Like, we can't fault him for that. Like, these things happen in, in this space, so. It is what it is. But I was looking at this card, man. So let's go. Look, one that popped out to me right away on the prelims, Tabitha Ricci versus Lupi Godinez and Mateus Rebecca versus Roosevelt Roberts. That's a good one right there. Jared Gordon will fight Mark Madsen. Cannot wait for that. I like Mark Madsen a lot. Can't wait. Now let's get into the main card. Diego Lopez is also fighting on this card, but main card. It opens with Matt Frivola versus Benoit Saint-Denis. Jessica Andrade will take on Mackenzie Dern. And then we go into the title fight. Sergey Pavlovich will take on Tom Aspinall for the interim heavyweight belt. And Yuri Prohaska will take on Alex Pereira for the light heavyweight title. The official light heavyweight title. Now I'm looking at these odds. It's a pick and fight, bro. Iri Prohaska is a plus 102 as of the time of this recording, right? It could change between now and fight night. And Alex Pereira is a minus 122. I mean, that's even money in my opinion. Because what happens is, <laughs> um, I think people are starting to realize how scary Alex is. And the fact that Iri's coming off a shoulder surgery should people take people should take that into account okay take that into account because i feel you don't come back the same 
And then as a side note, if you keep hearing a beeping, I don't know why my computer keeps telling me that the audio is disconnected. It clearly isn't because I'm still recording, right? So if something was wrong, it wouldn't have let me continue recording. I don't know what's wrong with this computer today. So if you guys hear beeping, there's not much I could do about it. I do apologize. Now, I want to look closer at this McKenzie fight. Mackenzie Dern versus Jessica Andrade is number five versus number seven. So the key to victory for Mackenzie would be her jujitsu, correct? And for Jessica, it would be to catch her with something. But the thing is, like, they both have the same problem, just in different aspects of the game. Like, people already know to watch out for Jessica's power because I'm not saying she's not good at jujitsu, but. She's not on Mackenzie's level, right? So if they were to go into that space, Mackenzie's going to beat her all day. And on the flip side, Mackenzie, people are going to know that's where she's going to want to go. So she's going to have to work more on her striking. And I know, I don't know if she still works with Jason Perillo, but I think she does. But let's read this article I found about Mackenzie. Mackenzie Dern would love to settle into routine. Whenever she has a fight coming up, but that's just not realistic because somehow life always gets in the way. Ahead of her last outing against Angela Hill in May, the 30-year-old Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu champion revealed that she was going through a turmoilous divorce with her ex-husband that also included a custody battle for their daughter. While her divorce was finalized, Dern admits that a difficult situation like that her like that in her personal life, never goes away. So she's just learned to thrive through the chaos. I realize we'll always have problems, Dern said during a UFC 295 media day. Just the pressure, the last one I went through, the divorce, the divorce is final, but you don't realize how much aftermath there is to it. Literally, this whole fight is still paying my ex. It's crazy how I have to get punched in the face, and you work so hard, and you do all this, and you have to, like, pay that much of something money something i'll fight here i'll get it whatever winning or losing everything's gonna be taken care of i'll make more money and stuff like that but it's just problems on top of the turmoil in her personal life Dern also has to restructure her training camp to get ready for jessica andrade at ufc 295 after her former gym shut down now you see i think she still is working with jason perillo because he had said, because he used to train at Aruka, and I think they reformatted it, so now that gym is no longer up and running. I'm surprised it didn't get more steam because that was a really prestigious gym. She ultimately spent time working with former two-division champion Henry Cejudo, as well as setting up her own private training sessions at home. With It's just another example that fighters are almost riding a roller coaster ahead of every fight. Ruka closed down, so I basically made my own gym turn, explained. You just keep investing in your dream and hope it, that it works out. I'm trying to make everything private at home because you're just very vulnerable when everyone's seeing you training. I'm a world champion in jiu-jitsu, but people see me in the gym. I'm crying. I'm frustrated because I feel like I should be better at something. I feel like I should be able to get it, and I don't get it. It's not working. So, yeah, man, like, again. Mackenzie, like I feel bad for her because she's going through it and then people are gonna be like well that's life we all go through it like yeah but we're not all getting punched in the face but again 
So for Mackenzie, it's gonna be get her to the ground, use your jujitsu, and for Jessica, it's gonna be like be the mad truck you are. It's gonna be really interesting. And then let's look into this co-main event. We'll look into the main event a little more. But the co-main event, Sergey Pavlovich versus Tom Aspinall. I mean, the future is now, guys. Like one day we're gonna wake up. John Jones is gonna be gone. Steve is gonna be gone. Francis is kind of gone from the UFC, but not MMA. So this is the future right here. Sergey Pavlovich versus Tom Aspinall. I cannot wait. You got Sergey Pavlovich, who has been killing everybody. Um, Tom Aspinall, who his only loss, I believe, is to Curtis Blades. But it's because of an injury. Oh, no, he has three losses. But that's his only loss in the UFC is to Curtis Blades. I guess he had two losses prior to the UFC. So we shall see, man. This is going to be a crazy fight. My only concern is, is that these guys... Well, I should say my only concern for Tom Aspinall is that he only got two weeks to train because he wasn't training. And my understanding is Sergey Pavlovich was the backup fighter. So he probably was. He was training more than Tom, but it is what it is. He's going to make the most of it, right? Now, let's hear what Sergey had to say. Sergey Pavlovich versus Tom Aspinall decides the legitimate title, according to Russian knockout artist. UFC 295's co-main event pits Sergey Pavlovich versus Tom Aspinall, and it's a pretty great fight. Pavlovich is a on a ridiculous tear, six-fight win streak via first-round knockout that only happens at heavyweight and only on various special occasions. He just hits so hard, it seems like nobody can stand up to his power. On the flip side, Aspinall is everything one could want in a heavyweight prospect, gifted, athletic, and remarkably well-rounded for his age. Aspinall really could be the future. In other circumstances, either man could e easily be competing for undisputed goal. However, John Jones' suddenly in sudden injury and UFC's desire for a legacy fight opposite Stipe Miocic slowed down the whole process. There's no longer a clear path to the undisputed gold, as Jones and Miocic could be retiring sooner than later, with little interest in fighting anyone but each other. As such, Pavlovich revealed at Wednesday's media day that he considers the interim belt the legitimate belt, which is always a matter of some debate amongst fans. You know, for me, this is the, the legitimate title, Pavlovich said. When it comes to the fight itself, there's going to be two dudes, strong dudes, fighting each other. We don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be a good fight. The fact that I'm trying a legend possibly on Saturday, that means I'm achieving some other goals. Some other goals that I've set for myself, putting myself in the ranks of the greatest. Pavlovich concluded. Um, so here's my whole thing on it. I don't think John Jones' title is legit because Francis was trying to fight him. He it just got to the point where like it got to the point where like, fuck, is John Amber coming back? Like it got to that point. Cause remember back when he fought Razinho Rosa Strike? He was already calling for the John Jones fight. And, like, Francis is 37. Like, you can sit there and be like, well, he could have waited for him. Like, yeah, he could have. But he was waiting for him. Like, why do you guys, why do, why do we blame Francis for that? Francis saw an opportunity, so he took it. He's like, I'm going to defend my belt, and I'm going to go get surgery. The UFC released him, and he got the Tyson Fury fight. Congrats to him. So, I don't see John Jones' belt as legitimate. 
Now you're gonna ask me, well, why are you? Why would you say that different about these guys? Because Francis never fought these guys. Francis never wanted to fight these guys. This is the future. This is after Francis. Because I don't see Francis in the sport for much longer. He's already 37. If he's gonna box again, it's gonna be at some point next year. Like if Francis has five boxing fights, he's set for life. Okay, okay. Like that's all he ever wanted. He wanted to be set for life. He wanted to have his family set for life. He is set for life. And I don't see John Jones fighting past Miocic unless it's Francis. Again, a lot of things need to happen if we want to see Jones fight two more times. We're gonna get him one more time at some point next year. That I can guarantee you. Unless Steve just goes fuck this, I'm out. Which is another possibility, right? So we should view this as the next legitimate champion. Something like Robert Whitaker and Yoel Romero. They built that as the interim champion, but then like GSP only wanted to fight Bisbing, so that's what ended up happening. And then GSP's like, alright, I'm done. So they just instated Rob as the middleweight champ. I believe that's what's gonna happen here. Whoever wins this, we should just start considering them the legitimate heavyweight champion. Um, Iri Prohaska versus Alex Pereira. I mean, dude, this is the fight I've been wanting to watch for the longest. I know I did say that I wanted to see John Jones fight Alex Pereira, but this fight right here, I've been wanting this fight forever. Like, as soon as I heard Alex move up to light heavyweight, I'm like, the fight to make is Yuri versus Alex. Like, that is the fight. The fight. The fight to make is that one. Now, people are saying, well, Alex moved up to light heavyweight. I don't see him being as good as he was at middleweight. I'm like, okay, well, for one, it's one fight. And two, he had just gotten knocked out in April. You, you don't think that he didn't take that into consideration? Like, look, April, May, June, July. May, June, he fought three months later. Let's say, let's say four, because it was at the very end of, of July. I'll give you the exact date right now, if it'll give it to me. July 29th. So, and yeah, these guys hit harder. If you were fighting bigger dudes that would hit harder, I'm pretty sure you would take it slow and not want to get knocked out the way you did back in April, right? Like, let's look at it. Now that I have it up here, let's look at it. So, April 8th, May 8th, June 8th, July 8th. So, he fought like three months and three weeks later because he fought on like July 29th again. So, let's cut Alex some slack. That guy is the man. Now, what Yuri needs to be careful of is that leg kick, bro. That leg kick is nasty, okay? It is horrible. And then, Alex just needs to watch out for Yuri's craziness. Now, this fight is going to be very interesting to me because, again, like I said, Yuri's coming off a of shoulder surgery. I don't know if he's going to be the same guy. Like, is his timing there? <laughs> what does give me a little confidence is um, he did say that he could come back sooner, but the UFC didn't want him to. So that gives me a little bit of confidence that he's doing good but only the day of the fight we'll see we'll see what yuri is made of we'll see what happens i cannot wait for this fight oh my god guys i am excited 
Okay, let's move on. So that's Saturday. But I did tell you guys that the UFC announced some fights, and now people are starting to talk about them. Let's hear what our friend Henry Cejudo had to say about um, the Sean O'Malley Marlon Vera fight. Henry Cejudo, UFC champ Sean O'Malley hasn't gone through the trenches, loses to Marlon Vera again. Henry Cejudo stands by his opinion that Marlon Vera is a bad matchup for UFC bantamweight champion Sean O'Malley. O'Malley would defend his title in a rematch against Vera in March. Vera is the only fighter to beat O'Malley, kicking him in his peripheral nerve and finishing him by ground and pound TKO in August 2020. O'Malley admits O'Malley is adamant that a lo- that the loss was a fluke, but Cejudo thinks Cheeto poses problems for him. Cheeto Vera beats him just based on endurance, Cejudo said on his YouTube channel. There's another problematic thing that Sean is not accustomed to is taller guys. It's not like Cheeto is a giant either, but he's about five foot eight. Sean is five nine. Wow. Five foot eight, five foot nine. While Sean O'Malley is five eleven. When you start getting people at the same height and they fought before, one of them already has seen him literally break. You can take him there again if Cheeto Vera can really up his defense and able to just keep his hands up. There's nothing that he can do to your legs. The only thing he can do, really, is be right in your face or body. Cejudo was critical of O'Malley's resume. His past two wins came over former champions Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling. But Cejudo isn't sold on the overall body of work. I mean, the, the Peter Yan fight, I get it. Because, like, I thought Peter won. But that's not here or there. But say you're not impressed by his win over Sterling when Sterling beat you. Like, what? I love Henry. Everybody knows I love Henry to the max, but that's just silly for you to be saying, honestly, bro. Like, why are you saying stuff like that? Oh, and another thing I forgot to say that I wanted to bring up. Do you guys know the combined fight time of Sergei Pavlovich and, and Tom Aspinall? Let's see. That's 12, 2, 1. That's 4 minutes and 42 seconds of combined octagon time between both those guys. Sergey's is 2.23 and Tom is 2.19. So these guys have been there for a combined 2 minutes and 42 seconds. Can you? I wonder what this is going to look like. We're going to go back to Henry for a second. I promise. In a second. I promise. But I just saw that. So I want to know what this is going to look like. Like, going back to Henry, how can he be critical of Sean in that way? For one, I didn't, again, sitting here today, I'm going to be honest with you. I still haven't seen the Henry Cejudo uh, Sterling fight because I was at a concert that day. And it goes, he goes on to say, a guy like Sean O'Malley hasn't gone through the trenches, said Cejudo. Hasn't really gone through the who's who. Yeah, he's got a controversy. Virtual win, which still I don't believe he beat Jan. Yeah, me either. And I don't agree with this. And then he got one that he, he happened to throw a right hand and it caught Aljermaine Sterling. Was it another stoppage? Yeah, I'm not here to complain. What I'm saying is he hasn't been through the trenches. I don't think it was an early stoppage at all. I think Sterling was done. That's what I think. <laughs> Sterling was done at that point, bro. And I like Aljo. Don't get me wrong. I like Aljo, even though Aljo rubs a lot of people the wrong way. 
I do like him. And then, like, it's funny to hear Henry say this because let's look at it. He won the flyweight belt. A lot of people thought Demetrius won that that fight, right? Then he goes up to Bantamweight. No, no, no. TJ drops down, and then he beats him. And then he goes up to Bantamweight to fight Marlon Vera, right? And then he defended it against Cruz, and then he retires. So... What are you talking about, Henry? Like, again, there's nobody that likes Henry Cejudo more than me, but I have to call BS when I see it. Like, how are you talking shit to Sean about this? Like, this I don't understand. How do you say he hasn't fought a who's who? Has he not fought? Again, I thought Peter beat him, but how are you not giving him credit for the Aljamain Sterling win? Now, is he just hating on him? Maybe. Is the Cheeto Vera fight going to be hard? Yes. But if I'm critical of Cheeto Vera, is that Cheeto likes to get hit a lot. And, like, Cheeto, like, he's known to throw just one big shot. He's not throwing it. He's not known to throw combinations. And, like, that has been a detriment for him in the past. So we shall see what happens, man. We shall see what happens. But I can't wait. Another thing is, if you're not happy for Francis and Ganu, like, don't talk to me. Bro, like, I understand. Like, I'm still on the same boat. I wish he would have took the three fight deal the UFC offered him just because of my selfish reasons. And I wanted to see him fight John Jones. That's just me. But I am very happy for him, bro. Like, I'm so happy for that guy because he believed in himself when nobody else did. Only him and his manager did, okay? Like, I don't care what anybody else says to me. Him and his manager believed in him. And Markel Martin, to a certain extent, good on him, thriving after being let go from the UFC because he was a part of the UFC. And then the UFC, um, because they were bought out by Endeavor, you know what, how that works when mergers happen. Usually people get let go because they already have certain people doing that same job. So you're not needed, you know. So we shall see, man. We shall see. But who you guys got for the fights this weekend? You want me to give you picks? I don't usually do it, but I'm only going to do the main card. I'll give you picks. I hate doing picks, bro. I'm going to go with Alex Pereira, Tommy Aspinall, and then this one might come to bite me in the butt, but I'm going to go Mackenzie Dern, and I'm going to go Bainwall St. Denny. But yeah, those are my four picks for the main card. It's only a four fight main card. Now people don't are probably getting pissed off. Like, why is it only four fights, dog? You're getting two title fights. Well, they used to do three. I'm like, yeah, but they're not doing three this time. Let's see what other news we could give opinions on. Let's see. Daniel Cormier predicts the three fights that will headline historic UFC 300. Cormier predicts two title fights and one notorious return for the landmark event. Okay, I already have an opinion on this. There's no way you're going to put Connor in three title fights. I don't care that it's UFC 300. He generates too much money. Especially if they do the PR and the promotion correctly. If they... If they um, if they promote this correctly, they don't need it. People are gonna fly in from Ireland. Again, 
I do believe where they're messing up is they need to have Connor fight in LA. They need him to fight at Crypto Arena at least once before he calls it a day. I did say that it's rumored that Ilya Teporia and Volkanovsky will fight there. But let's see what this has to say. Following Dana White's announcement earlier this week, we now have a main e events locked in for three numbered cards of the year. With UFC 297, 298, and 299 all confirmed, it's allowed it allows speculations to begin for who will fight at the landmark UFC 300 pay-per-view, which the promotion will want to stack with huge fights. Look around. Who isn't booked? That makes sense for that card. One name that jumps off the page is Conor McGregor. Okay, I don't want to read everything he said. Co-main event. When I look down the line, I know that Jones and Stipe would not be ready. I do believe whoever wins the belt this weekend will fight again. Leon Edwards or Kobe Covington will then be available again, right? I don't know, December? Again, we're thinking that they're going to do it in April, right? Because already March is UFC 299. But there is a scenario where they do April fight night, May fight night, June fight night. Just to have it for International Fight Week. Okay, hold on, because I skipped. There's no way you're going to put Connor over two title fights. I know he's a big star. Either way, they're not going to do that because... So this is what he's saying. Look, UFC 100 had Brock, right? With GSP and all those guys. UFC 200 at Brock. It was supposed to be me and Jones also, but it ended up being me and Anderson Silva. Brock, all these big names, Cormier said UFC 300 has to have a name like that. We don't have Brock Lesnar anymore. So I think you have to have a Conor McGregor versus Mike Chandler. I do agree with that, but there's no way they put him on there with three title, with two title fights under him. Because if it grows his good numbers, Whoever those champions are, whether it be Tommy Espinosa or Sergey Pavlovich, because that's who he believes, and the winner of Colby and Leon, those guys themselves, like, I believe that December card is going to bring in good money because it's stacked, that December card is. But th that just becomes, or do they get someone like Nate Diaz to re-sign and they throw us all a curveball and do the third fight between those two for UFC 300? Have you guys thought about that one? I just thought about that right now. But no, it should be Chandler. And Dustin did put out a tweet the other day saying that he wanted to fight on UFC 300. You could put him and Nate on there. But I'm just saying and that's if Nate decides to resign, right? Nate might be like, um, nah, I'm still doing real fight promotions. You know, so we shall see what happens, guys. But that's all I got for you. Make sure you follow me. Punch them out the fish on Instagram. Official underscore PATM on Twitter. Peace, guys. Later.